realize more and more the Civil War was not fought over slavery. No. No, it wasn't. Want to keep the Union together. That was one of the big things. When Lincoln asked him to be a Secretary of State and he accepted, but even then Seward had this feeling, well, maybe I wasn't nominated or elected, but I can still run this country wrote up a list of ideas for the president's consideration when he thought Lincoln wasn't moving fast enough. But they did work out very well and worked very closely together. And there's a document over here on the fireplace mantle, which is quite interesting. January 1st, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation became a law. And copies of the document were sent to the different states. This is the cover letter of the one that came to New York State. And Seward, as Secretary of State, had signed the original document. He also worked in the wording of it. Lincoln would quite often ask him to help with the wording in official documents. Then the 1869s took a trip around the world that took almost, well, it took about 14 months on a ship. Yeah, oh, yes. Every kind of travel imaginable in India, I think, 60 elephants and so on. He wrote about all of this. He wrote the trip uh, about his travels around the world. Did his wife and family travel with him? No. His wife had died. Seward was attacked the same night Lincoln was shot. It was all part of this conspiracy to kill the leaders of the government. And... um he was in his home in Washington in bed recovering from a carriage accident. Frances was here in Auburn when the carriage accident happened, so she was called to Washington. And the night Lincoln was shot in the theater by John Wilkes Booth, a man by the name of Lewis Thornton Powell, a follower of Booth, came to the Seward's home and attacked him, very nearly killed him in his bed in Washington. And he attacked not only Secretary Seward, but two of their sons. And one of them very nearly died. Frances had not been very well. She had several heart attacks from the shock and died two months later in June. So she was really the victim. This was a very sad time. As Seward said, it was the longest, saddest day of that long, sad year. When I first came here to work in 1951, Seward's sister, the last Mr. Seward's sister, lived up the street. Now, she told me quite a few things. She had known Harriet Tubman, of course, and she wrote about riding out there in the carriage with her mother to visit Aunt, Aunt Harriet. She was Aunt Harriet to everybody. And she also told me that Harriet had gardens out here. She raised vegetables, and she would sell them to the houses here on South Street. She would walk from her home out there, and this house would be the last house on her trek. And she would come in here, and she'd go into the kitchen where the cooks were, and she'd sit down to rest, put her feet up in the oven to warm them up, and she'd take a nap. And when she woke up, her basket, which was empty by that time, would be filled with bread and rolls and so on for her to take back home. So the family kept this, and, and Harriet lived to be well over 90. So. We come out of the main house under the porch. 
this is the stairway that they would have used to get up into this area where they would be safe, really. But it's it's a sort of a dark stairway, and there are no handrails. And when you get upstairs to the rooms where they stayed, uh, this is just sort of like a hole in the floor of those rooms. But there is a railing up there at the on that level. So if you'd like to step up. Oh, yes, very much. And I can just feel the tension and the, the mixed emotions of people who walked up these stairs 150 years ago. You can see the little windows here that would let light in. And really, it's a pretty large area here. And it was...